some bad stuff today, and so just check on them. If someone comes to your mind, check on them, make sure they're okay. Tell them we missed them being here today, but we're glad that you were able to make it. We're in week number two of this series we started last week called Home Sweet Home. Uh, and, but before we get to our message today, there's, just, there's a couple of things that I need to make you aware of uh, before we get to our text. Uh, next Sunday will be our annual church meeting. Okay, now what basically what that means is, is uh, our church year comes to an end today. Uh, and so what we'll do is next Sunday we'll have what we call an annual church meeting. We'll take just a few minutes of our service. So if you're visiting, you're like, I'm not coming to that. I've been to those meetings and it's not that. All right, we, we, make, we try to make church as painless as possible. All right, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pass out a ballot next week and elect uh, some new uh, church board members. And so I want you to be in prayer about that uh, as we uh, get close to next week. Be praying about who God would have us in these positions uh, in our church. But we're going to be electing church board members and also approving delegates to represent our church at District Assembly that's coming up in Jonesboro uh, in June. So we have a great ballot of possible candidates. And uh, I, I ask that you will pray about this election next week. You must be a member of our church in order to vote, and you must be 15 years old or older in order to vote. So we'll be doing that next week. I've also been asked to make another announcement. I know I, I don't like announcements. Y'all know I don't do this normally. But uh, our district superintendent asked me to make an announcement, so I'm making it. Uh, Dr. Randy Bergner, North Arkansas District Superintendent, will meet with the church board on Monday, May the 8th at 6.30 for the regular church pastoral Review. So this is a normal pastoral review that takes place every four years. Uh, our district superintendent comes in and basically meets with our church board to see if there are any issues within the church, within the board, or within the leadership uh, of the church. And so uh, I may or may not be here after May 8th. I don't know. That's up to them. But uh, not sweating that. I'll go buy me a tractor and fix driveways. So I will all make, we'll all be good. You have your Bibles turned to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 in the New Testament is where we're going to be back uh, this week. While you're finding that, if you weren't here last week, this is a series that we started that's going to take us through uh, Mother's Day, uh, which is here in a couple of weeks. We're looking forward to that. But what we're doing is we're talking about things, and we try to do this at least once a year, every year, but I, uh, I really focus in on the family and our homes and uh, uh, not only that, but, but just relationships uh, in general that, that we have in our lives. Uh, but uh, last week we learned, you know, that, that family can be a huge blessing to us. Uh, there can be a lot of joy. There can be a lot of laughter. You know, there can be a lot of great moments, great memories uh, that we make within the home and within the family. It can bring meaning, purpose to our lives. But for those of us that are honest, family life can be challenging, <laughs> Right? Home life sometimes uh, can, can be challenging. Relationships with other people can often uh, be challenging and challenging for everybody. I don't think any of us are exempt from relationships that we have uh, that are sometimes challenging. And, and here's why. There, there's a couple problems here that I believe, you know, is, is common to any challenge that we have, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the family, or whether it be in other relationships. One problem is this, all right? Some of you, this is going to come as a shock to you, but we're all weird, 
All right? Some of you look in the mirror and you think you're perfect, but you're weird. All right? We're all weird. Every single one of us, we're weird. You can deny it if you want to deny it, uh, but we're all a little bit weird. We all have our oddities. Uh, you know, I, I, I make mine fully, you know, you know mine. Most of you know uh, that I probably have more than my share of oddities and, and weirdness in, in my life. And so I'm no exception to this. I have little quirks. And I know that. I'll give you a couple examples that I've never shared with you before. I actually asked my family. I said, okay, y'all, y'all say all the time I'm weird. I, I said, you know, g- give me some, you know, that, that maybe nobody knows. And so they were quick to point out, Lynette pointed out uh, and, and the fact that uh, a lot of times at night when I go to bed, if I can't go to sleep, I will rock myself to sleep in the bed. It can be done. I'm just telling you. If you get your foot going, all right, tonight when you go to bed, just start, just start doing your foot like this right here, and, and eventually your whole body, and you'll go to sleep. I promise you, you will. And the crazy thing about this is this is something I've been doing all my life. This isn't just something I picked up. And, and, and my family, they're all here today. And some of them joined the church. They're probably regretting that right now. But, uh, but anyway, when I was a kid, I would do this. And, and so I've, I've shared with y'all before, I was raised in the ghetto. And so I slept in the closet. And, and uh, I, I didn't sleep in the closet. Was raised in the ghetto, but I didn't sleep in the closet. But anyway, my bedroom was about the size of Lynette's closet now, okay? And so the bed had to be up against the wall. And so anyway, but during the night, I'd be rocking myself to sleep, and my knee or, or foot or something would start hitting the wall that my bed was up against. Sometimes I'd even do it with my elbow, you know? And so I'd be sleeping good because, you know, I'm rocking myself to sleep, rocking to the rhythm, you know what I'm saying? There's a song about everything. And so anyway, but you know what would happen at that point would be someone in my house would yell, stop hitting the wall, you know? And so literally my wall was messed up on the bed because I hit it so much from doing this. I, I know it's crazy, but but anyway, it would put me to sleep. Uh, another little quirk that I have, and probably nobody knows this. I'm pretty sure nobody knows this except my family. But you'll, you'll start watching for it now. But uh, when I eat, if I eat at a table, I cannot eat without crossing my legs. I, I just have to do it. I mean, my mouth will not, my, I can't chew and swallow if my legs aren't crossed. I don't know how God wired me, but there's like a relay switch in there that I can only eat if my legs are crossed. And so, you know, if, if I'm ever at a table that's too low or one that's got, you know, too much fancy trim at the bottom of it, I mean, I have a smothering spell trying to get my legs crossed so I can eat, you know, uh, I'll have an anxiety attack if I do, can't do it. So, you know, should I go on or have you lost all respect for me? I mean, I've, I've got all kinds. I know I'm a little bit weird. It's all right. But you know what? You are too. <laughs> We're all just a, a little bit weird. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, you're a little bit weird. <clears throat> now look at your other neighbor and say, you're definitely weird. <laughs> Don't enjoy it too much. <laughs> Might get you in trouble later. I know this from personal experience. But all of us can be a little weird. And you know what else about us? We can all be a little selfish. We can all be a little selfish because I believe that every single one of us are selfish. I'm selfish. 
Well, you know, even, even my wonderful wife that so many of you people think that is absolutely perfect. I mean, she always has it together. She's just like, you know, she's like, you, you look up perfect in the dictionary and it's like a picture of my wife, Lynette. She's not quite so perfect. She's selfish, just like all of you. Uh, this week, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Just, uh, yeah, I'm going to. Just this week. I'm like, you know, it was getting close to bedtime, and I got that sweet tooth craving that you have, you know, right before or after the potato chip craving, and it, you never know in what order it's coming, but anyway, I've got this sweet tooth craving, and I'm like, i got to have something sweet, so I get up, go to the pantry, I look in there, and I'm like, wow, Oreos, double stuffed Oreos, awesome, and so I, I get them out, and uh, I, I walk into the living room, and when I walk into the living room, this, this tiny, petite, little, perfect woman screams at me. If I'm lying, I'm dying. She screams at me. Those are mine. <laughs> it was like a two-year-old had entered her body and was coming out and green stuff and all that. <laughs> She's almost perfect, but when it comes to those double stuff Oreos, she, you know, she's selfish. But uh, we're all a little bit selfish, if we're honest, aren't we? We've all got the stuff. We've got, all got things we want to be ours or be, be our, our way, even you perfect people, you know. And we can all be a little bit weird. And you know what? When you mix all that together, when you take your weirdness and you take your perfection and you take all those people in your house and in your home that are weird and are selfish right? And you stir all that together, <laughs> that can be a toxic drink right there, right? When, when you mix all that together, uh, and it can cause, you know, all kinds of emotions. It can cause all kinds of drama. It can cause conflict. It can cause you to say things that you don't mean. It can cause you to scream. You know, it can cause you to do those sort of things. And, and so what I want to do today is, is this. Maybe today, Maybe we can just all lower our expectations a little bit of one another and of ourselves and go, you know, we're all weird. We're all selfish. We all, we all have issues, all right? People that don't have issues go to the church down the road. But, but we all do. And, and, and so today, I want us to just kind of open up to that and consider that a little bit and, uh, and see what God wants to do in our lives in and through that. And with his help, I believe that we can allow our emotions uh, to serve us rather than to master us, okay? And so that's what we're going to be focused on. God's given us uh, these emotions that we have for a reason, but rather than allowing our emotions to, to master us, we, we've got to figure out how th that they can serve us. So in James chapter 4, James is writing to uh, a group of people here in James chapter 4 that are basically going through uh, a lot of drama. He's writing to a church. He's, he's, he's writing to a group of believers, and there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of emotion going on, you know, just a, a lot of drama and all that. So James is trying to address it here in this letter. He's trying to speak to these issues uh, that they're having there in the church family. But I think this can also apply to all of our families all of our homes and all of our relationships as well. So let's check it out. James chapter 4, starting at verse 1, he says this. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? 
Now, now have you ever found yourself, uh, you know, in, in a situation like that? Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your, uh, uh, your, your family, maybe in a dating relationship, maybe between you and your kids, or maybe between you and your parents, where you, you see this and, and you're like, what's causing all of this? Why is there so much drama? You know, why is there so much arguing? arguing? What's going on here? And the tendency is to look around and go, well, I know what's going on. It's them, <laughs> you know? He's a weirdo. He's crazy. You know, he's emotional. She's emotional. They've got all these issues. Our tendency is to look around us and go, well, you know, it's their fault. They're the weird ones. They're the selfish ones. And they're acting a certain way. But look at what James says here. And this stings a little bit. But James says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war where? In you, he says. James is saying here that we've got, got a, a bigger issue than the war zone in the living room, right? And, and it's the war zone that's going on in our own hearts and lives. And so if you want things to be different, if you want to deal with the war zone in the living room or the war zone in the, the, the kitchen, first you've got to deal with the war zone in here. Right? And within, with, with, with your, our own sinful nature, with that push and the pull of our own selfishness and our own desires. And so we've got to be willing to face it. So if we want our emotions to serve us rather than master us, one of the first things James says here is this we've got to look within. All right? We've got to look within. But what's our tendency? What's our first reaction? What's our natural reaction? To look at them, right? To, to look at, at, at what they're doing, to point out their faults, to point out that they're being selfish or they're emotionally unstable or whatever, right? And James knows how we are. And so that's why he's writing this. And he says, listen, sometimes we just got to step back and we got to let God's spirit do a work, not in them, in us. That's what he's saying here. Because we've, we've all got a little crazy in us, right? We've all got a, a little selfishness in us. And there's a war that's going on within us. And so we need God to, to help us with that. The Bible talks about, very specifically, about this war that's going on in your and my lives between our flesh and between His Spirit. And, and the Bible speaks to this war that's going on. There's this pull of what I want, Right, of what we want, of our desires, and, 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 uh, battling against what God's Spirit wants to do in and through our lives. So there's this war that's raging in every single one of us, and the Bible speaks to it. There's a battle going on there. And so we've got to be uh, aware of it and be willing to look at, on the inside and go, okay, I, I understand. I can point out their faults pretty well, but I understand that you know I need to look at, at within First and ask God to help me overcome that in my own life. And, and here's the deal. Some of us, you know, uh, may know a whole lot about the Bible. Some of us may be very educated when it comes to the scriptures. And maybe we're mature spiritually. But we often can be just like a little kid when it comes to our emotions. And, and so we'll act, you know, immature when it comes to dealing with our families and we'll act immature when it comes to other relationships or maybe how we deal with, with conflict that we faced. 
And like we mentioned last week, you can be a follower of Jesus. You can go to church. You can read your Bible. You can do the whole bit. But relationships and family can still be challenging and still be frustrating when it comes to dealing with the emotions that are inside of you. You know, why, why do I keep losing my cool and, and, and yelling? You know, why, why do I keep going off on my kids? Why do I, you know, why do I lose my, oh my goodness, here we go. Why do I keep losing my cool at these brain dead people in the left hand lane? <laughs> Am I on anybody else's toes besides my own? I tell you when, I'm telling you when I preach, I'm just preaching at myself. You know, but why do I do those things? And don't get me wrong, yes, it's important to read your Bible, and it's important to go to church, it's important to pray, but just because you're doing all of those things and maybe growing spiritually doesn't mean that you're growing up emotionally, okay? And so to grow emotionally, what do we got to do? Well, James says we've got to be willing to look within, right? And God can, can help us with that. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of show you a path of what that maybe looks like, to, to show you a path today that I believe will help us to grow up a little bit uh, emotionally with God's help. Uh, and it's so important because there are, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of Christians in this world today. There are a lot of people who call themselves followers of Jesus and they're Christians and they've accepted Jesus and all that. But you know what? They're still unloving. They're still unjoyful. And they're still ungrateful people. And spiritually, we may have a pretty face. You know, we may spiritually uh, appear to be mature, but emotionally, we can be very immature at how we handle things and respond to things uh, in our lives. And, and I know this because I've got a long ways to go myself, right? I, I've got a long ways to go, but, but I, I want to be open to acknowledging that, looking within, and maybe some of you right now are going through some kind of conflict uh, in your family or a conflict in, in a relationship, and you've been focusing on everybody else's issues and everybody else's faults rather than looking within, and that's what James says, first, start with you, all right? Then the second thing that we can do to allow our emotions to serve us rather than master us is to acknowledge and identify what those emotions are, okay? The, the truth is, is that, you know, we've all got this stuff within us. And, and so if we don't learn to take an inventory and to acknowledge and identify some of this stuff, you know, it, it just starts coming up. And, and as I was thinking about it, I, I thought, you know, it's, it's, it, this is disgusting, but it's kind of like a bad stomach virus. You know, you, it's just churning <laughs> you know what I'm saying and it just churns and churns and churns and and you can't hold it in and, and so if we if we don't acknowledge and identify these emotions that that we're struggling with you know that that we're dealing with eventually it's going to get to the point to where you just can't hold it in any longer and what are you going to do you're going to hurl <laughs> you're going to hurl anger bitterness outrage hateful words destructive words and when all this stuff comes up, it's toxic to our families. It's toxic to our relationships when, when that happens and it gets to that point. 
And, and so we've got to acknowledge and identify these emotions that we have in our lives and acknowledge and identify, all right, here it is. Here, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm experiencing. Why is this, why is this happening? Why is this reoccurring in my life? Is, is it something that maybe someone did to me in the past that I'm continuing to carry? Maybe is it something that happened to me as a child? And so I've always struggled with that. And because of that, it caused these others reactions that I have. Do I react and respond this way because that's the way my daddy was? And that's the way it was modeled for me? And so we've got to acknowledge and we've got to identify some of these emotions that, that we have. And, and so, and, and James goes on to say this, and, and I love this. He's not messing around. You know, last week we talked about getting hit over the head with the home sweet home sign. That's kind of what James is doing here. He's just taking it, wrapping it around our necks. He says this in verse 2. He says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. Now, don't forget here, he's not talking to people in prison. He's talking to church folks like you and me. He's writing this to church people, to people who are, are Christians. And he says, and you're jealous of what other people have. But you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And then he goes on to say this in verse 3. And even when you ask God for it, you don't get it because your motives are wrong right? You want only what will give you pleasure. He's all over your selfishness button right now, isn't he? I mean, aren't you glad you came to church today? You braved the floods and all that, you know? We're just here to make you feel better about yourself. James is not messing around here, but you know what? Sometimes that's exactly what we need. Somebody to get up in our business, not tell us what we want to hear. All right, and, and that's what James is doing. He's saying, listen, there's a lot going on inside of you <laughs> that, that you've got to acknowledge and identify. You've got to look at your own heart, your own motives, because your heart and your motives and your emotions are affecting everybody else around you, in your house, at work, in all your relationships. Maybe it's a trust issue. Because someone has hurt you or maybe disappointed you in the past, so now you have trust, trouble trusting anybody ever again. And you don't really know. You hadn't never really thought about it. You hadn't never really acknowledged or identified what your trust issues are. But maybe it all comes down to a single incident that happened a long, long time ago. And because of that one thing, now you have trouble trusting anybody. Right? Maybe it's fear. Maybe someone walked out on you or abandoned you at, at some point in your, your life. And so you have this fear at work in your life and it never really comes out as fear. It often comes out as anger or, or, or some other emotion, but actually it's fear. And, 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 you know, somebody tells you, well, you know, let's go do this. And then they call and cancel or they're running late and you just fly off the handle and it's coming out. You're hurling anger and all this resentment and everything when it may actually come back to the fact that you're afraid. Because someone has hurt you deeply in the past. And so what I believe James is saying here is, listen, got to look within. And we got to acknowledge and identify what's going on before we can ever address it. Right? And, and some, you know, so it's important that we look within and then start looking at what's going on under the surface uh, of our life. Um, I got to tell y'all a story. If y'all promise, y'all won't tell any any. 
oh wait, <laughs> uh, how can I do this now? We got board members here. We didn't have any board members in the early service. And I said, I'm going to tell you all this story if you promise not to tell any board members. I'm going to tell it anyway because it's going, only going to get Daniel in trouble. Um, but anyway, several weeks ago, we were getting the vans. We, <laughs> Daniel. Uh, Daniel was getting the vans ready for, we had several different events that were going on and certain people need a van. So he's getting them ready. He goes to start them up. Just about every time one of them, the battery's dead. And so there's always work to do. But but he gets them going, and, and one of them has a check engine light come on. And so he's like, well, I'll run it down here. And I don't, I don't know. He took somebody here in town. He said, hey, could you hook this up and tell me why the check engine light is on uh, in this van? And so they hook it up, and they said, yeah, you know, it appears you've got a wiring issue uh, somewhere. And, and made the comment that, you know, probably if you check, your, your cigarette lighter isn't work, working, you know. And, and Daniel was like, well, yeah, no, it's not because I was smoking earlier, and it wouldn't, I couldn't get it lit, and it wouldn't work. <laughs> And I'm just kidding. Daniel doesn't smoke. Uh, but uh, anyway, and so uh, he brings it back and he uh, looks under the hood. He raises the hood on it to look under the hood. And there was a whole nest of baby squirrels that were under the hood of that van. And they had been chewing on the wires. And so Daniel, just, he said they were sleeping. He said, I didn't want to bother them. So we just shut the lid and we sent them kids to church camp. No, I'm kidding. No, we didn't. But uh, I don't think that van is repaired yet. So if you get in one of the vans, check engine light on it, bail out because there's a squirrel in there somewhere. But, you know, sometimes you just got to look under the hood, right? And that's what, you know, James is saying here, you know, that, that, you know, we've, we've got to look under the surface and acknowledge and identify some of these emotions because once you acknowledge and identify them, then we'll be more aware of these emotions that cause us to sometimes lose control. Uh, and often the issue is not the other person, okay? Often the issue that we have is really not with someone else. Often the issue is our own emotions that we need God to help us with uh, in our own lives. And so when you kind of feel like you're losing your cool, uh, like Daniel talked about earlier, somebody in our church had road rage apparently this week. I don't even know about that. But, but anyway, if you ever feel like you're losing your cool or you're about to lose control, if you can't acknowledge and identify these emotions, then you're going to have trouble with what we're going to talk about next, and that's breaking the pattern uh, of that. Which, uh, and whether it's anger or sadness or uh, fear, or distrust, or disgust, or, or shame, or whatever. And, and let me just tell you, these emotions, they're, they're often, can I tell you this? The emotions that you feel are often not the reality. All right? Can, can, you, can you understand what I'm saying? Your emotions are often not what is really happening. Your emotions are not necessarily true. All right? But Jesus said... I am the truth, and the truth can set you free, right? And so, don't miss this. Our feelings and our emotions are not God, all right? What you feel, whatever it is, your feelings, your emotions are not God. But in some of our lives, we let our feelings and our emotions control way too much of our lives, right? And, and, and when our emotions begin to run and rule our life, then who's not running and ruling our life? God's not. 
If your emotions and your feelings are controlling your life, then God's not controlling your life. Your, your emotions are. So part of emotional maturity is to acknowledge, you know, that maybe the reason I'm having these feelings is because I'm allowing my emotions to control me instead of allowing God to control me. And, and yes, you know, feelings are important. God, God gave us emotions, and sometimes they can be a good thing because think about it. Love is an emotion, right? Joy is an emotion. Uh, happiness, you know, all these are emotions, but we need to understand that our emotions cannot control our lives. It must be God that controls our lives and our words and our actions. So in order for us to allow our emotions to serve us instead of mastering us, we have to acknowledge and identify those emotions. That brings us to the third and last thing that James is going to share with us uh, to allow our emotions to serve us rather than master us, and it's this. We can break the pattern. Some of us must break the pattern. Our emotions do not have to rule our lives. God can rule them, okay? God can rule our lives. God's Spirit can rule our lives, but we have to break the pattern of our past, all right? Now, listen, if you've been asleep the entire service and you haven't heard anything I've said, I, I want you to listen to me right now. Jesus can set you free from the penalty of your past. Okay? He can. He can set you free from the penalty of your past, but you can still be held captive by the patterns of your past. See what I'm saying? And, and, and let me say it again, because some of you, ain't, you're not getting what I'm saying. All right? Jesus can set you free from the penalty of of your past. And we all want that, right? And we're thankful for that, that he has forgiven our sin and we've been set free from the penalty for our sin. But then we're like, you know, after that happens, and I don't know about you, but, but I'm like, you know, why am I not just magically fixed now? <laughs> you know? Well, why do I still have my issues? Why, why do I still have, you know, these, these rage issues? And now it just occurred to me who Daniel was talking about. Um, I was driving to Little Rock this week. My dad, man, I'm glad my dad's here, but he's been in the hospital this week. So I've driven to Little Rock several times this week. And at one point, I think it was Wednesday morning. At one point, I found myself driving to Little Rock, and I'm in the, I'm in the right lane, which is the left one for me. And I find myself yelling at the person in front of me. I kid you not, I'm, I'm screaming. I'm yelling at, at, at this person in front of me. And they, they were driving in the left, left lane, which I, some of you, just so we're all on the same page, the left lane is the passing lane, okay? The left lane is the fast lane, not the slow lane. So don't get over there. And get in front of me and slow down and back everything up because I'm going to be right on your bumper with a GN Nazarene sticker on the back of my truck. <laughs> Deal with it. Because I can't stand it. I, I was losing control. And I was sitting there thinking, I was sitting there in my mind. I could just feel this rage. It was just boiling up in me, you know. And, and I'm driving down the road and I'm sitting there thinking, if I had to drive to Little Rock every single day, I could not be a Christian. <laughs> I just have to go to hell because I can't do it. I cannot do this. I'm going to kill somebody or run them off in the river, and I'm even going to giggle while it's happening, you know, because it's going to make me feel better. 
And, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm preparing this sermon that I'm preaching, y'all, right? About emotions and all this. And I'm like, good grief. And I'm sitting there going, why am I still like that? You know, I know that I've been saved. At least I, I think I have, you know? Some days I wonder. But, you know, I, I know that I've been saved. We, we've been saved, and Jesus is living in our hearts. So why do we still have these emotional outbursts, you know? Why do we still worry all the time? Why do we still struggle with, with anxiety? Why didn't that all just go away when I got saved? You know, but, but here's the deal. Some of us have a pattern that has been established in our life for a very long time. And it's a pattern that, that we need to deal with. And, 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 you know, you have a pattern established in your life. And just because you've been set free from the penalty of your sins until you acknowledge it and, and identify it and allow God to work in that area of your life, you know, you may not yet be set free from the pattern of your past. But here's the good news. Whew, aren't you glad there's some good news in all this? Huh? You and I can be set free from the pattern of our past. Well, we can. God's Spirit is able. God's Spirit is willing, and He will give us the power to break that pattern and move us into some new patterns. James is saying if we'll look within, acknowledge it, and identify it, it can be done, right? And so James gives us some insight into this and in verse 6 through 8. He says, and he gives grace generously. I love that. Because I need it, especially when I'm driving to Little Rock. He gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Listen to me, folks. That right there is the playbook. Right? So this week, I've got to go to Little Rock again, right? And so when those emotions start cranking up and those emotions start, you know, anxiety, worry, fear, anger, sadness, and you just start to feel those emotions brewing, I want you to just think back to the playbook today, right, that James has given us here. He says, look, here it is. Humble yourselves before God. What does that look like? God, I need your help right now. I've tried, and I can't do it. I'm about to run them off the river bridge, right? So, God, I've tried. Here I am. I can't do it. You, you know, I don't know why. I don't know where these emotions are coming from, but I just need some help. That's being humble, right? Then he says, resist the devil. Well, what does that look like? Well, you know what? I may have did it yesterday. I may have flown off the handle the day before yesterday. I may have failed real bad yesterday. But you know what? This time, I'm going to get it right. This time, I'm going to not give in. I'm not going down that road today. I may mess up again tomorrow, but today I'm not. Resist the devil. And then look, come close to God, and what will God do? He'll come close to you, right? He's available. His power is available. It's what that's saying to us. And we can experience a different pattern in our lives because of that. And, and Lynn, listen, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm still not who I want to be. 
But thank God I'm not who I was. He's still working on me. Not the preacher, <laughs> right? I still have struggles just like you. But if we'll humble ourselves before God, resist the devil, and draw close to God, he will draw close to us and help us. <laughs> I need his help. You need his help. And God's power is stronger than an emotional struggle, right, uh, that we may face. But we, we have to bring it to him. You know, we have to bring this stuff to him. And, and today he can help you to allow your emotions to be able to serve you rather uh, than master you. And I want to close with this. I recently read this, and I thought this was so fitting for what we're talking about today. But it was written by a soldier uh, who had been in Afghanistan. And he said, when the bullets start to fly and you find yourself caught in war, he said that there is a fight or flight mentality. And he says, one of the greatest mistakes that, that you can make is to start acting without thinking. And, and so he went on to say that a tactic that they, that they taught them in their training was this ideal uh, of tactical breathing. And, and so when the bullets would start to fly and your uh, adrenaline surges and it causes, you know, your heart to pump so fast and so hard uh, that you need more oxygen uh, to your brain in that emotional moment to, to slow your heart down. So he said the first thing that they would teach them to do is this. When things just go crazy around them and, and, and everything just breaks loose, he said the first thing they teach them to do is this. Realize, okay, my heart is beating at a tremendous rate. I've got to get more oxygen to my brain in order to think clearly. And so he said, the first thing that, that they tell you to do is to take a four second breath in through your nose. Hold it in for four seconds and then exhale it for four seconds. And, and then he says, you, 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 you breathe that out and you do that four second thing in, hold it out. You do that several times. And he said, that then replenishes your brain with the oxygen that is needed to slow your heart rate back down. And he said, what you're basically doing there is you're creating a little space in your thinking. You're creating a little space there where you can think before you act. And he said, and let me just tell you, this is not easy to do when the bullets are flying, right? It's not easy to do when all this is, is broke loose. He said, but it's so important because it can save not only your life, but many other people's lives if you'll do it. And here's the deal. As I was reading that and I was thinking about it, I thought, you know what? There's a war zone going on in some of our families. A very different war zone than, than what he's talking about here. But a war zone emotionally. A war zone verbally. But what would happen this week if we leaned into what James is saying to us here and said, look, you know what? I'm going to come near to God. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to acknowledge and identify what's going on in my own heart and my own life. And then maybe in those moments where we feel like our emotions are taking control, and, and you feel it coming, right? In that moment where we feel them, you know, beginning to boil and beginning to brew, we'll just stop and say, all right, you know what, breathe deep. Four seconds, hold it in, you know. Just create a little space there. Create a little God space.
there in, in that moment where his spirit can move, where his spirit can work in our lives and help us to think more clearly. And then maybe uh, we need to say some words in our homes and in our families, words like, I'm sorry, and I love you. Words that can never be said too much in a family, I assure you. And realize, you know what? Everybody is a little weird. Everybody is a little bit selfish. You're not the only one. And the grass is not always greener on the other side. I love to listen to Craig Groeschel preach. He pastors a great church and I listen to him a lot and read a lot of his writing and stuff. And he always says this. He said, if you think the grass is greener on the other side, water your own grass. <laughs> right? I mean, if the grass looks greener on the other side, water your own grass. Do a little work. Look within, you know, and let God begin to work in your own life and your own pasture. And it can bring health to your life and to your family and to your home. And, and you know what? When that happens, that will make all of our homes a little bit sweeter. It'll make all of our families a little more sweeter. And not only that, when we live this way and handle our emotions in this way, you know what else it does? It brings glory to God. That's why we're here. That's what he created us for, was to serve him and to bring him glory. And so that's why this is so important today. It's our purpose. Let our emotions serve us, not master us. Let God be our master. And I want that for you, and I want that for me. Amen? Let me pray for us, and then we're going to have some baptisms. God, thank you today for your word. And I'll just step aside and let it work. Your spirit is so real and so powerful. Your word is exactly that. It's a playbook for us. It's the plan. Thank you for reminding us today that uh, sometimes the way we allow our emotions to control us, that's, that's not of you. When anything is controlling our lives other than you, it's an issue. And so we thank you for the awareness today. But God, not only that, we thank you for the help today. We thank you for loving us even on those days where we're not very lovable. You still gave your son to die on the cross for our sins. And I just pray that you would help some of those here today that have struggled with the fact that the penalty has been paid. They understand that the penalty of their past has been taken care of. But maybe there's a pattern there that's still there that they need some help with. And today that we'd just find a place before you to humble ourselves and to draw close to you and allow you to draw close to us and help us with what we need. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I uh, hope you all have enjoyed uh, our service today. And so I'm going to invite my good friend Dawson to come. This is Dawson Johnston. He's one of our seniors this year. Uh, and Dawson um, has come a long way, man. And we go to an event. He's like grown up. When I first met Dawson, he was about 
this tall in seventh grade. So he's put on a few pounds and got a little big. But anyways, um, Dawson, we go to an event every year uh, in Oklahoma called Extravaganza. And this year, after one of the services, Dawson and some of the other guys, we were talking, and they were like, I feel like the speaker is looking at the darkest part of my heart and going, you better fix that. And uh, so that kind of started the conversation. And a few Wednesday nights ago, Dawson said, I know my next step, Daniel. I said, what's that? He said, I need to be baptized. And I was like, man, that's, that's what it's all about. And so uh, I asked Dawson, I said, well, why? Why do you want to be baptized? He said, well, I just want people to know uh, the change that has happened in my heart and in my life. And I said, man, you just summed up baptism. It's a, I, we say this all the time. It's an outward sign of an inward change. And so it is my privilege to baptize you, Dawson. So do you believe that Jesus Christ uh, died and rose again from the grave? Absolutely. And you believe he's in heaven? And you believe I'm the greatest youth pastor in the world? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, all right. Do it. No, I'm just kidding. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I asked my little buddy Tristan to come join me down here. Come on, Tristan. So exciting when kids at a young age understand, recognize, and realize that someone... Jesus needs to be Lord of their life, and uh, they get it. You know, the gospel message is so simple that a child can understand it, uh, and yet we as adults often try to make it complicated. But uh, I, I love, this one of my favorite things about being a pastor is to be able to baptize people into the faith. Uh, and Tristan, man, you my buddy, I love you. Love that smile, keep smiling. And uh, it'll make God look good, even better. But uh, you know Jesus lives in your heart. You've asked him to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. And you believe that uh, he, he went to the cross for you. Amen. That he's not in that tomb anymore, is he? No. Amen. Well, Tristan, it's my privilege to be able to baptize you today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's so good. All right. Well, we're going to dismiss you. Y'all have a great rest of the day. Be careful out there. If you run into water, turn around, don't drown. God bless you.
Turn to 